Hello and welcome to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people and launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. Encounter is a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm joined here in studio with my good friend and brother in Christ, Patrick Rice. Hey, brother. How are you? So good. Awesome, man. We're going to have a great show today. Uh, we're bringing on a good friend of mine. His name is Jason Shanks. He's the president of the Our Sunday Visitor OSV Institute, uh, and they're just trying to, to change the world through coming up with creative new evangelization ideas to how to uh, spread the gospel more effectively, which is awesome. Uh, but... Patrick, can you uh, open us in prayer? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, I praise you. I thank you that even though people uh, would go and leave, you would join them on the road, and you would walk with them. So, Lord, I, I pray that that same love and desire that we have for the lost, those that are walking away from you, from what you're doing, um, that you would inspire in us a heart to walk with people, to accompany them, and lead them back to your the intimacy that we find with you in the breaking of the bread, in Jesus' name. Yes, Jesus, and we, we just pray that uh, you would bless us to overflow into people's lives, Lord, that you would fill us with so much of who you are, so much of your love, that we would just overflow and give that to others. Lord, I pray that um, when we bless others, that you would just um, multiply that and allow uh, this this call to, to labor in your vineyard to be an experience um that is just filled with so much abundance in our life, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Patrick. So, um, man, we're we're going to hear from Jason and just how uh, a friend of his walked by his side and kind of led him into the Catholic Church. Uh, and, and from that, uh, Jason's lived a whole life on mission in the church. And, and just so we want to share, listeners, just about uh, Pope Francis and his call to accompaniment uh, today. Patrick, do you want to dive into some of that? Yeah, I have a, um, a really good quote. I mean, uh, I think evan- evangelic gaudium is the gold standard for evangelization that I think we've been invited into. And yeah, if you to- haven't read that, I just want to encourage everyone to read it. It's incredible. Yeah, it, it's amazing. And so, I mean, it's shifted so much of what we've done here in this show, our ministries. And um, one of the one of the, the kind of the, the big principles that he's put out there for us to... Um, transform the way we see our ministry is what he, what he calls accompaniment. And I'm going to quote from um, Evangelii Gaudium, paragraph 169. He says, the church will have to initiate everyone, priests, religious, and laity, into this art of accompaniment, which teaches us to remove our sandals before the sacred ground of the other. So there's this, this idea that like the person that we're, uh, that we're seeking to, to minister to, to, to bring into the kingdom is sacred because they're made in the image and likeness of God. And it's not enough just to like, um, to evangelize without actually walking with people. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like in evangelization, there's this, um, it's always good to share the faith. And like, I love all of the different tactics that you'll see out there from giving out, you know, holy items and, uh, just telling people, Hey, you know, God loves you and things like that. And it, there's like this kind of good, better, best thing. So I don't think there's, um, we could ever look at someone's evangelization initiative and be like, that's not good or that's messed up or something like that. But there's always this, this sense of like, well, what, what's the goal? Like, what's the ultimate? And I feel like when Pope Francis is talking about accompaniment, that's like the ultimate, like the best or this place where you can actually get to walking with other people. And um, I, I, don't, I don't know anyone that's actually grown uh, closer to Christ, that's been um, drawn deeper into the mystery of relationship with our Lord 
that hasn't been accompanied in some way. Mm. And I think like a discipleship, you know, yeah. this, this art of not art, but this, this uh, relationship that you, you, you have a, someone that, that teaches you like into the relationship with Christ and guides you from where they are. Um, accompaniment is like an, an essential element of walking with them because the faith is more caught than taught and you got to walk with people. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, phrases in all of the gospels is it's kind of weird. One of my favorite phrases is Jesus got in the boat with the disciples. And I just love this uh, idea that Jesus, he entered into their way of life, right? It wasn't like Jesus said, Hey, I want you to leave the boats and, and, and come over here to the synagogue, right? That Jesus actually he went into their boats and sat down with them. And over over again in the Gospels, you see, it says he sat in the boats and he taught the crowds. And it was this idea that I'm going to get into your way of life and I'm going to I'm going to meet you where you're at and I'm going to teach you from that position. And uh, you know what did the boat represent to the 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 first disciples, the fishermen? It was their way of life. It was it was uh, who they were, what they did, where what they experienced. And then he taught them through their experiences. He taught them by talking about farming, by talking about fishing, right? He didn't say, hey, come follow me and I'm going to make you uh, a, a Holy Spirit-filled evangelizer, right? He said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Yep. He took a phrase that was normal to them that they could ex- understand and he transformed so it. So you're saying that Jesus met people where they were? <laughs> Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm doing it all wrong. Um, well, and I, I think sometimes it, it's so important for us to think in evangelization that it's not, um, how do, how do I put this? Carbon uh, copy replicating. Yeah. So, so a lot of times, wait, what do you mean by that? Like a, I'm going to make a copy machine of me and other people. I'm going to yeah. make other people in my own image. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want you to be in my image and like No, but I, like I'll talk to, um, and I don't say this in a judgmental way. I say it in a way that we can learn. But sometimes I'll be talking to people who are planning a parish mission, and I'll, I'll be going in to speak to their parish. And, and they'll say, you know, like, we really, we want to make this something that the fallen away Catholics go to. And, and so I'll, I'll ask them, well, what are your strategies for advertising the mission? And, well, we're going to put it in the bulletin, and we're going to make announcements at Mass. I'm like, wait, but if the people are falling away... <laughs> Where are we going to find them? And I, I think that Jesus—that's so profound that he didn't—he didn't teach only from the synagogues. He went out and and, uh, and he found those uh, the people that he was calling, and, and and then he walked with them in their way of life. And I think as Catholics, as we grow in our call to evangelize, we want to we want to ask ourselves, well, how am I being called to go out? And mm-hmm. the reality is, I'm already out, right? Like. We're already in the secular workplace. We're already going into the grocery stores. We're already going to the gas station. I mean, how many times do we go to the gas station and we see a poor person there um, with time on their hands that we can talk to and have relationship with? Or uh, how many times do we sit with the same people day after day at lunch that God's inviting us to walk with in a company? And so I think, the therefore, the biggest temptation or the biggest obstacle I believe to evangelization and I'm guilty of this. So don't, if you're hearing condemnation, you're not hearing God. Mm -hmm. The biggest roadblock I think to effective as you go evangelization is busyness Mm. that when I'm so busy and I have got to do this thing in order to get to the next place, I miss the one in front of me. Like what if Jesus was going through Samaria and he's like, dude, I've got to get back to Galilee I don't have time for the woman (laughs) at the well. Uh Like if he was so um, busy with, if he was, if if his schedule was so busy, he wouldn't have like stopped for that one, right? The yeah. woman. And I feel like uh, um, there needs to be a, a discipline with uh, our faith. Um, we, we we're all obviously so disciplined about um, daily prayer and 
you know, sacramental life and getting to our holy days of obligation and things like that. But I feel like we need to cultivate a discipline of leisure, a discipline of of making sure there's enough time for me to stop for the one. Can I teach you a scary prayer? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Lord, make my life interruptible. Yes. That's that's a scary prayer, right? Because if we pray that prayer, we've got to be ready for it. And uh, and I think that's what you're talking about, is allowing our life to be interruptible, where um, even though we're busy and we've got responsibilities and, and places to be, um, Lord, make my life interruptible. Actually, you prayed that one of our prayer meetings when you're like, Guys, Holy Spirit's saying, get ready to like just lose your day. Like, you know, oh, yeah. he, like <laughs> he's going to wreck your schedule. And I'm thinking of my stuff in my heart. I'm like, oh no, I've got like a meeting with the priest. Yeah. Like, but God, if you want to do it, fine. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks ago. Patrick, we were praying with uh, a group of people, and the Lord was just telling me, hey, I want to spend more time with you guys today than you actually allotted in your schedule. And I'm going to do things today that you weren't um, ex- ready for me to do, and it's just going to take time. And uh, yeah, and that was like, and it was a call to me because, yeah, I was like, oh, I, well, I've got a meeting at 12:30 that I've got to be at, and I've got, and uh, and then after that, I've got all this stuff, and and yeah, God just says, hey, I want to wreck your that schedule. Was, sometimes. That was such a good word. So that's our word for you guys: is let God like if you are only expecting to listen to like 10 minutes of the show, give him the whole hour, mm. you know. And uh, yeah, we got to go to a break though. Oh, yeah. Uh, So you're listening to Encounter. We're going to take a short break. And when we get back, we're going to hear the life-changing encounter um, of Jason Shanks, the president of the OSV Institute, um, who's going to share about his conversion from being uh, a Protestant involved in his faith to an on-fire Catholic sharing his faith with others. We'll be right back. No Catholic radio station in your area? Perhaps God is calling you to get involved. Learn more about starting a Catholic radio station where you live. Contact Jack Williams, 205-795-5756 or jwilliams at ewtn.com today. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak. More to Life is about living the Catholic difference in our marriages, our families, the way we approach life in general. It's about celebrating life and our Catholic faith and discovering all the ways God wants to bless us and help us be a blessing to others. More to Life with Dr. Greg and Lisa Popchak, weekdays 10 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. Gloria Purvis. We have the wrong understanding and appreciation of pregnancy. We need to do what's best for the child, not what's convenient for the mother, the father, or the doctor. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Hello and welcome back to Encounter, a co-production of St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Encounter brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch into lives of extraordinary mission. Patrick, I'm so excited right here, right now. We are welcoming on Encounter my good friend Jason Shea. Yeah, he's a trailblazer. Jason, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. It's great. It's great to talk to you. Yeah, we're just so blessed to to have you, you. Patrick. Yeah, you too, brother. And we've just like uh, Jason, you've been uh, laboring in the vineyard of the Lord for so many years uh, in so many different ways and movements, and we're just excited to hear about how the Lord uh, originally um, placed you in His vineyard and called you to a life of of radical mission for for others. So, so Jason, can you just share with us maybe um, how how it all began? You know, like how'd you grow up and how did the Lord first start leading you to him? Well, thanks. Um, so 
I grew up in a um, Methodist home. Um, I grew up with a um, Christian mom and dad who um, uh, we didn't really go to church. We didn't really attend much, uh, in the, even in the Methodist community. I watched a lot of Hour of Power with Robert Schuler on Sunday mornings. So I wasn't raised Catholic. Um, my dad was a, a former Catholic um, and he spent a lot of times, I can remember even as a kid, reading scripture at night on, on, on the couch. Um, just a curiosity that formed within me of, of what is he reading and what is that, why is that important. I had a mother who, um, really emphasized the need to, to live out, um, our Christian faith every day of the week. Uh, and she's very warm and hospitable. But, even in uh, growing up, even in high school, I had a whole lot of misconceptions. I mean, I, I thought that all uh, religions believed in the same God, just called them different names. And so while I would say I was Christian, I'm not sure it really um, revealed itself to me. I don't, I don't know if I really embraced it until I got to college. And when I went to uh, Miami University in Oxford, Ohio, I got involved with a group called Campus Crusade for Christ. I think it's now called Crew um, for your Catholic audience. This is sort of where Curtis Martin and Focus sort of got its launch to. Um, I got involved there, and I discovered in many ways for the first time that things like the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that there was actually a defense and argument of how this could happen, that Jesus was a historical person, that the scriptures that we were reading uh, were, were historical, and we could, um, we could um, defend the text. I, so I went through sort of the Josh McDowell apologetics, you know, Jesus' claim to be God, um, you know, uh, Lord, liar, lunatic, all these sort of famous apologetic arguments, and from there I was hooked. Mm. I think it's there where my faith really became real, it became authentic, um, and just the sort of the, the amazement and the beauty of, the, uh, of discovery of, of Him and how... Um, and these truths that were being revealed to me the first time. So I quickly got involved uh, in that ministry, started attending Bible studies, started learning my faith, um, started learning how to share my faith and the importance of uh, walking with uh, other college students on campus. I got involved in um, a sort of the, I would say, almost the politics on campus and really started working on how do we defend uh, religion in, the, in sort of the marketplace. Uh, so I got involved in issues of religious liberty and religious freedom, issues that we're still battling with today. And I was, uh, I was debating those things, uh, you know, on campus. But one of the things, Dan, that happened to me being on campus is as I, as I learned uh, more and more about Christianity, I started to um, make some observations that ultimately led me to the Catholic Church. One of them was as I was dating a, dating a young lady at the time and started thinking about uh, marriage. And uh, I remember sitting down with one of the leaders, one of the adult leaders within Campus Crusade, and um, asking the question, where in the Bible does it say that, um, um, you know, that we have to get married in a church? Could I, frankly, just, you know, get married and be committed, uh, you know, behind closed doors? Where does it say I need to have witnesses? Mm. Where does it say I need to get married in a church? Where does it say this, that, and the other? And um, he, he basically said it, it really doesn't, you know. I mean, I'm sure now I could go back and look and find places that it was alluded. So I remember at the time, and I said, well, 
why are we doing it then? You know, so I was really, even in crusade, really having this sort of um, Bible alone theology, Bible alone thinking, and and this idea of tradition and and doing things even on the the things of marriage that weren't explicitly spelled out really started raising questions uh, for me. Um, I then uh, recall traveling to D.C. and being on a street corner and noticing as I'm sitting at a stoplight that there are four different churches on on the on the corner and I thought well this is really interesting how if if we all have the holy spirit working in and through us that's leading us to divine truth through scripture how why do we have four different churches this just doesn't seem like the unity that Christ called for um as when he prayed so a guy came into my life who was a leader in Campus Crusade for Christ, um, uh, still very good friends today, and uh, he was one of the few Catholics uh, leaders in Ca- Campus Crusade, and um, um, I got to start asking him lots of different questions, um, and, um, and, and uh, he was very helpful in, in answering just basic sort of Catholic uh, questions that would that were starting to rise and to really help me dive deeper into some of these questions that happened. Wow, and I recall like it was yesterday attending a Bible study and the leader at the time said um, leader at the time uh, was making an argument for total depravity. It's a it's a Calvinist concept that basically says we are you know to simplify it we're one hundred percent totally evil. We we uh um you know, we are so depraved that, that um, you know, God sort of looks on us and His grace and sort of says, and so you get the areas of just total double predestination and this, that, and the other. And I remember sitting there, and as this argument is being put to me as we're in Bible study, I closed my Bible and I said, well, then I'm done reading Scripture. And they said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you're either saying one of two things. You're saying that either, one, I am... Um, totally depraved, so any interpretation I have of the Bible is either going to be a depraved one, or it's going to be totally um, uh, given to me by the Holy Spirit, the interpretation. I said, I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking, thinking either one of those is, is correct. <laughs> so I remember going back um, and, and speaking to my friend, and I said, that's it, I'm starting all over, and I want to find what is true you know, at the time, I didn't, you know, realize that, you know, I'm looking for the fullness of the faith. I'm looking for, um, you know, the Catholic Church. And what's interesting about all of this is I, I was one of the last people uh, that I thought would become Catholic or want to become Catholic. I remember when I was dating that young lady, I, uh, I said, well, if we ever do get married, I'm not raising my kids Catholic. Uh, my, my roommate in college, um, he was raised Catholic. And uh, and I was not, of course, and and I would make arguments that he was a cannibalist, and that he believed in cannibalism as, as you know, you know, eating flesh. What are you talking about? It's interesting <laughs> today. Here I am, Catholic, working in Catholic ministry, and he's a Presbyterian uh, pastor. So we we apparently did a great job on each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, but so this was this you know so the idea for me to sort of to to wipe the slate clean and say I'm going to take a whole new fresh look at this um, was um, was in and of itself I think um, God is working on me and God's grace sort of getting me to that point. Right. So from there, from there, then uh, I I I went like gangbusters and um, wanted to find and and figure out. Um, 
why do we have all these different churches? Why, why, why did we sort of break away from the Catholic Church? So I sort of went into the Catholic Church, I would say, through the back door. And what I mean by that is a lot of the, lot of the questions that typical converts ask, from saints to Mary to confession, some of the, the, the normal questions, I set them all aside. What I wanted to do was I wanted to define what are the issues that sort of define um, the Reformation. I mean, what are the issues of the reason for the break? So, you know, and um, so I went back and I started reading reading the, the the text, and what I discovered is a lot of the common issues of the that we have or that converts have today weren't really the issues of the time. The issues of the time were, of course, you know, Bible alone, faith alone grace alone, of course, indulgences, and, and some other issues. So I started focusing on those. And what I realized was, is I didn't agree. You know, so when I started looking at, you know, faith alone, um, I, I realized that, that, you know, that's two sides of the same coin. It's both faith and works. And, um, and that scripture in James talks very explicitly that, you know, faith without works is dead. Uh, you know, how, well, how do I reconcile that? Uh, I remember even being in crusade and going around and and um, asking people to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I'm not, by the way, even as Catholics, they think that we 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 must present the charisma, we must present the the gospel message, and we must give people an opportunity to to make decision, you know, make that choice. But what struck me is is even in the acceptance, what we are really doing. Even in its even in its lowest smallest percentage, in and of itself is a gift. I mean, the gift is being given, mm. but someone's got to open it. Someone's got to, You got to cooperate with the grace that's being given. So, um, so faith alone um, was was really starting to unravel for me. And then Bible alone, you know, I'm, I'm sure your listeners are very familiar with the the arguments sort of against Bible alone. But it um, it was a discovery for me to to realize that. We, um, where in the Bible does it say um, it's only in the Bible? Who put the Bible together? Who kept the canon of the scriptures, you know, together over time? You know, when it says that the, you know, what is the pillar and bulk work of truth? Well, it's it's the church, and so um, that so, was uh, that. Was, so, Jason, you know, let me let me let me throw a question in here. So the. Sure. So what's going on in your, so it's, uh, you know, a lot of times we, we listen to uh, Catholic radio or we hear testimonies and, um, and apologetics almost seems like a total intellectual uh, exercise. Um, what was Jesus doing in your heart during this time? Was like, were you, were you falling in love with him deeper through the, the intellect or was it, was it just kind of a, an opening of the mind? How, how was that process going on? Um, you know, Dan, I think it's, it's you know, you read in Scripture of the guys on the road, and they're going to go, you know, they're going to discover um, the Eucharist. They're going to, they're gonna, you know, Jesus is walking with them, and they say their hearts are burning. And I think that's what's going on within me. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think it can come off as sort of just an intellectual pursuit. And, and I think it, for me, in, in many ways, it, it probably is more, it was probably more intellect. I know in many ways today, beauty seems to resonate more belonging relationships um for me for me finding truth it was beautiful finding truth was you know it was like you know um um sign me up let me get marching let's get going um so for, so so not only but it, but it was something was moving within me 
uh, I, I do think that, you know, it's sort of the, I don't know, when you think of that curiosity and people that are seeking, I mean, I, I think, oh, you know, my heart is restless until it rests in you. And for me, it goes, it, it I, I think about, it sort of starts with the mind. And for me, I mean, it, it was a fascination with things that I've never seen before, you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, um, God revealing and opening up areas of, of things I never discovered. Um, I can recall, as an example, many, many times reading John chapter 6, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood, and, and many times not putting two and two together, that this was really, truly Jesus Christ, really, truly present in the Eucharist. I mean, so, so part of that intellectual journey was a recognition that it's all God's grace, that I'm, I'm seeing things in a, in, a, in a new way, sort of like a kid, right, who's, you know, that just can't get enough because, I'm, you know, Christmas time or, you know, those times. And I think um, that was sort of going on with me. I mean, it was like a unveiling and unwrapping um, things that were always there, but I never, I never could see it. It was right in front of me, and I, and I, and I didn't recognize it yeah, that's until so one good. day it was. Yeah. And, um, and, and I must just pause and say that this wasn't, um, you know, even Paul, when he, you know, knocks off his horse, you know, God sends someone to Paul to sort of walk beside him, open up the scriptures to him, open these things up. So I, we can't underestimate the power of the witness of people who maybe are listening in your program, the, the, the power of their story, of their, um, of their personal walking with the accompaniment that Pope Francis talks about. You know, for me, it was a, it was a, it was a Catholic um, who for years handed me these books. I didn't just go around and discover these on my own. He handed me, why don't you look at this and tell me what you think? And, and, what, and we had multiple conversations and late-night conversations and debates and things of that nature. Um, and so, so um, that was powerful. I mean, I would say that in many ways, while it, it comes off like he read these books and he did this, that, and the other, I had, I had, a, I had um, someone that was discipling me. I mean, someone that was sort of leading me through and steering me and listening. Um, and, and I don't want to just say it was all, you know, you know, um, uh, you know, great. I mean, I had I had times as I'm going through this, as I'm talking to now my Protestant you know, brothers and sisters, who uh, did not like it that I was coming to these conclusions and um, uh, rejected me and lost many friends and um, people of that nature. But wow. um, so it wasn't just um, oh wow, isn't this isn't this nice? I mean, I had become a leader in Campus Crusade for Christ um, by the time I was a senior. One of the things that was interesting is as I'm making these um, discoveries, you know, now I'm seeing things anew, but I'm also seeing things of what we were doing within Crusade that that um, I, I had never noticed until I was starting to become Catholic. So what what this that's awesome, Jason. Thank you. And I, I think listeners sometimes we create this devoid uh, or this divide between. Um, the intellect and the and the heart, right? And we're like, oh, um, and and just to see that as as truly Catholic uh, uh, worldview and perspective of spirituality, that the more we know, the more we fall in love with, and the more we fall in love with the Lord, the more we desire to know Him. That there there can't be a divide here. Um, and I think that's just a great testimony, uh, Jason, of how your heart was burning within. You're falling in love, uh, not just with with Jesus, but with his with his bride, the Church. Um, uh, because she reveals so much beauty to us. So, so what? what well, I mean, how does... I just pause to say that I think when you think about how you fell in love with your wife, 
it's very much the same way, right? It's it's not just all heart. I mean, your your do your your intellect is also is this is this person have is this person right for me? Is this person have the values that I share? Is this person going to raise the kids the way I would? So it's it's a both and. Yeah, and, hope, hopefully and, it and is right. I think you're exactly <laughs> right when you say I'm falling in love. Yeah, hopefully right. Uh, <laughs> You know, I know, I know that's not always the case, but I think that expresses it very well. I mean, it's um, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, falling in love with with Christ in a new way and His bride, the Church. I think you express it very well. Yeah. So, so how did how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, wow, this is like, I want to jump into the Catholic Church. I'm going to kind of make this major life change as a as a leader in a huge uh, global. Protestant movement. I'm going to make the change and become Catholic. So um, yeah. So from from looking at the Reformation, I then went to the early Church, and I really thought you would find a very simple Church. Um, and what I, to my amazement, I found a Catholic one. Uh, even if you look in the books of Acts, when the Holy Spirit descends upon Peter uh, and and obviously the the apostles, he goes out and he speaks and he says, "Repent." And, you know, he says, repent and be baptized. And then what do they do right afterwards? They start breaking bread. What is this? They're breaking bread. What, what, and why is that so important that they're doing that right after? So as I started, you know, uh, reading Scripture um, and, and looking at the early Church, to my amazement, uh, it was Catholic. Um, and, uh, and for me then, Dan, ultimately, is when I read um, John chapter 6 and... I went through it line by line and came to the conclusion that what Jesus is saying is you must literally, you know, eat my blood and, and, and drink my flesh. And then he repeats himself three times uh, as people, you know, walk away. I realized that this wasn't hyperbole. This wasn't symbolic. Um, and so I, I, at that point, I, I knew that I was going to become Catholic. At that point, I knew I had to have it. And what was interesting is, is then I started going to the Catholic churches. <laughs> so um, why I say that and why I laugh is because I, I really started, you know, I, I was falling in love with the church in Scripture, the Church of the Saints. And then I had to then, you know, some converts will, will, will be moved by the Mass, and that's how they start asking questions. For me, the Mass came next, and uh, as I went to Mass, um, and now, and now could see people partaking in the Eucharist. Uh, I was also getting lots of explanations from my friends about the universality of the Mass and and how you know um, how this is going on every day and and things of that nature. So when I left college, then I, I you know I came home and I decided to join the RCA program uh, there, uh, actually in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And um, I should step back and say before. I knew um, the summer before my senior year I was going to become Catholic. I did not actually enter the church until two years later. So I think that was a real grace, actually, talking about heart, allowing the Lord to continue just to work on my heart and have a yearning for the Eucharist. Um, I mean, I, my whole senior year, I, I was intellectually knew I was Catholic but had not come into the church. I led a Bible study um, and, uh, and, and um, my senior year. And uh, many uh, people people joined the church from that study. Um, one of them just became a priest in Cincinnati, which I was really delighted about. Um, and then from there, I went home and joined RCA, and again uh, waited a whole other year later before becoming Catholic. And uh, and that was um, that was amazing to receive the Eucharist for the for for the first time. And um, and then. Uh, 
um, joined, I think, in 99, Easter of 99 is when I uh, joined the church. But I would say, and maybe for your listeners, well, um, you know, this is a conversion story, as you, as you probably many people have them. But we all have conversion stories, and for me, the, the, the story of my conversion continues to this day. Um, you know, that's sort of how I entered the church. That's sort of how I discovered the church. But in, in many ways, that thirst to continue to go deeper um, uh, continued on as I started discovering the Trinity and doing theological studies and things of that nature. Um, even last, in this past year, I would say, in my own life, really working um, in a, a, you know, conversion to um, be able to live out my faith in the ordinary, to live out my faith in the everyday experience. I've got five kids, and, uh, you know, there's lots of, lots of normal, ordinary things that happen around the house, like dishes and things. How do I discover Jesus within that? How do I, how do I use that experience to talk about? So for me, the, the, the heart, spiritual, um, aspect, Dan, that you alluded to earlier, is, is a constant conversion for me, even now, to, to learn how to, uh, how to go deeper in my discipleship um, and, um, and, and how to grow in my love for the Lord, in my prayer time, uh, in my habits, in my building virtue. Um, then in many, more, in many ways, like I'm very, um, I'm, I'm very thankful for the for the the truths I learned many years ago, but I but I'm but I'm even more thankful for the the time I've had to spend in, in prayer with the Lord even over the last year and some of the things that that I'm uh, I'm learning in my in and and frankly how to pray and how uh-huh. to, and how to be better at uh, at doing that. That's awesome. So, Jason, one of the you know when I first met you, um, you had such a zeal for Catholic evangelization and and. Uh, you know, almost now today, like uh, the concept of the new evangelization has spread pretty far um, and wide in the church, and and the church is like talking about evangelization is pretty normal in in the church today. Um, but when I first met you, you were kind of like one of the the like leaders, if you will, really encouraging Catholics to go out and evangelize. What was it that that led to your burning desire to share the faith with others, and then like. How did you, in those early years of like when you became Catholic, but you had this huge desire to be an evangelist as well, how did you push the envelope to help Catholics break out of the pews and into the world? Well, I love that question. Um, so uh, for me, I, I've always had sort of a, a heart to um, bring people uh, to Christ, to, to save souls to, um, you know, for me, it's always been, um, if we had the answer, say, for cancer or a disease, we want to keep that to ourselves. We would want to give that away freely. That's a good, I mean, that's that was a good love, word. and to keep it to ourselves is selfish. Yeah. So, so love for me isn't something I just contain in a box. For me, love is something that for it to be love, it needs to be shared. I also like to say that for our faith to grow, it needs to be given away. We need to, we need to give it to others. And uh, if 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 you're not giving your faith away, then then it becomes stagnant. And I've been thrilled actually that you're seeing these themes uh, from Pope Francis and, and and other popes, and it's becoming more part of our vernacular and what we realize. Um, when I became Catholic, it was interesting, Dan. When I was going through RCA, I was I was amazed by Catholics that Catholics that were going every day would say, "Why are you doing this?" 
I'm like, what do you mean, why am I doing this? Um, they just really, at that time, you couldn't even say why I would want to become Catholic. And mm-hmm. they've been Catholic their whole lives. Um, and then the other thing I, and there, I, I, I sort of um, early on would sort of um, come up against was people who felt like we shouldn't express our faith. We should just witness to our faith. If I'm a good person and I do good things and I go to church, that that is, um, that people will see that and that's all we really need to do. In my, my, I, I, my uh, conversation at the time, I would say, well, could you imagine if that's what the apostles did? Could you imagine if they just said, well, just look at us, and we're not going to actually proclaim the gospel, express the gospel, and you just see us, and maybe you'll come ask questions. We want to be here today. Yeah. And so to really get the Catholic folks in our pews to understand it's a both and. Of course, we've got to live our lives in a way that is worthy, and, 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 um, but we've got to express it. I mean, I don't think anymore in our culture we can just sort of assume they're going to get it. Now, with that said, I do think today, I think things have shifted from where they were when, when I was going through college. I think things today are, resonate differently. I, I do think I could be, do more arguments then, where today I think we have to start with beauty. I think we have to start with um, building relationships. Um, I think people need to start with the friendships. And, and, and in some cases, I think we've almost, while we talk about it more, I think we've almost lost the art of how to be a friend, the art because of social media of how to relate to and talk to people. Um, so I think we do need to go back a little bit and say, how do we even form relationships in terms of uh, to be able to share the faith? I mean, things have drastically changed um, in, in terms of the strategy and the method. But the, but the importance of it, you know, in my own life, I would not be Catholic if it wasn't for someone who took the time and the energy and, and the know-how and the, and, the, and the knowledge to sort of walk beside me. And we can do that for others. And I don't think, we, I don't think people should be scared of that, and I don't think people should feel like they have to have every answer. Because, frankly, when I share my faith, even today, the, I get more credibility when I say, you know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer, but let me go find out. Um, and to rely on the Holy Spirit. I mean, yeah. I just think if we're open to being able to share our faith, if we're open to be able to, you know, God use me, uh, it's not like I, you know, my life I've had to go out and seek out people to talk to about Christ. They seem to come to you. Um, and I just think we need to be open and willing, um, open and willing to do that. So. Yeah, that's so good, Jason. And I, I love what you said, that faith grows through giving it away. And I, I you know, listeners, I can't, I can't stress that enough, that if um, if you're kind of in a place where you've spiritually plateaued, uh, ask yourself, am I evangelizing enough, right? Like, because the way the, the, once we've had that initial conversion, the way that God increases our capacity for himself is by depending on the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, more fully in our lives. And so the more we share our faith, the more we place ourselves in positions where we need to depend on Him as opposed to on ourselves, it increases the capacity of God within us. And so um, that's that's a just a brilliant uh, thought, Jason, that our faith is going to grow through giving it away, that when we evangelize, our capacity for God increases. So, so Jason, you, I mean, you've just had so many amazing experiences. Listeners, Jason was... Um, you know, part of the Diocese of Toledo and overseeing all the evangel- like evangelistic efforts of the Diocese of Toledo. He moved into uh, the Diocese of Detroit and was the CEO for 
um, Catholic Charities, and now you're the president of our Sunday Visitor Foundation. Um, Jason, I, I just like in, in these experiences, maybe doing the evangelization outreaches in Toledo or um, as the CEO of Catholic Charities, what are some of the examples of just like lives you've seen transformed uh, by Jesus Christ? Yeah, wow. Um, it's interesting that you used all those examples because the 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 examples that I would use is uh, actually I was a teacher when I first got out of college. Um, I was um, maybe bolder than than you need to be in terms of uh, you know I, I really looked at it as mission, public school missionary territory. Uh-huh. I'm going to share my faith with all these students and uh, and and you know I figured if we send if we send missionaries to China, certainly we could um, we can go into our public schools. So I was. Um, one of the examples is working with a student in the public school who decided she wanted to become Catholic. And uh, I would sit with her during her study halls, and uh, we would go through um, catechesis, frankly. We'd go through the catechism. And uh, I, I remember the 16-year-old asking her this, um, asking her this question about, um, you, know, um, you know, the faith and this, that, and the other, and why she wants to do this. And at 16-year-old, I remember her saying to me is, um, I want to become Catholic because I think this makes me more fully who I'm called to be. And I thought, man, this is so right. I mean, she seems to get it at 16. I remember sitting with another young lady uh, in a library, um, and uh, she came up, and um, we were talking about she was Buddhist, and uh, she couldn't she couldn't figure out why would if Jesus was God, why wouldn't he get down off the cross? And just you know, start kicking butt. You know, <laughs> why wouldn't he get off the cross and say, "Forget this. I'm gonna, you know, I'm. What do you, do you know who I am?" Yeah. And uh, and I remember her, you know, uh, looking at me and saying, um, "Is it because of love?" And I thought, "That's exactly right. That's wow. exactly why he's doing it." So, you know, it's it, um, and there's been many stories like that where where you see these lives transformed. I would also just add, I did work in Catholic Charities for five years. Um, in the profound, I mean, we, we had a homeless shelter, not a homeless shelter, a soup kitchen. And um, we would invite St. Paul Street Evangelists to uh, come into the um, soup kitchen. We were getting a number of people who would not only pick up the materials, but then wanted to be baptized. Mm. And... Um, so just seeing those lives and, and you know being transformed. I worked in RCIA for many years. It was one. Of, it's it's one of my, my favorite things. I don't get to do it anymore. Um, but to, to see those light bulbs go off and to see that heart, those hearts burning, and um, and to realize that in many ways these people, even our RCA, are, are changing the whole trajectory of their whole family. It's not just going to be them. It's going to be their children and their grandchildren as they as they come into the church. Um, it's a it's a joy, you know, and I think we should. Uh, I think we're very lucky to have to having seen people sort of take those next steps. However, I don't think we should be discouraged if we don't see the fruit, right? We are planting seeds, and what we're called to do is plant those seeds. Someone else will water, and someone else may see the fruit. And I recognize, even in these stories I've just shared, I'm seeing probably the work of someone else. 
someone other seeds that have been planted, and I happen to be in the in the place to sort of see the conversion and see the see the stuff. But the it was bulbs, it yeah. was the mom and the dad and the grandma and the friend who have who have planted seeds much earlier on that uh, that I, I think for our listeners never be discouraged if you if you continue to pray for you continue to work in you continue to you know to do. Um, handing articles out or whatever, you never know when that's going to bear fruit. And, yeah. and I have had, um, been fortunate to see, see that happen. In people's yeah, lives. That, that's so good, Jason. And I love how with Catholic Charities, how you weren't just doing a soup kitchen, but you were also feeding the soul through providing uh, materials on, on who Jesus is, who the church is. And that's so that's good. It. And, yeah. you know, I, I just, uh, listeners, I want to just highlight a few things that, which I think is just so amazing. So Jason shares this story about how um, someone accompanied him and gave him resources and books and, and walked him through, almost like Jesus does on, with the men on the road to Emmaus, teaching him and breaking open the Word of God about the Eucharist, and then he discovers the Eucharist for himself. And, and uh, you know, Jason was also, he did the same thing for me when I was in high school, and, and not just for me, but for a lot of people. And so it was amazing that one young man... Uh, 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 walked alongside with you, Jason, and then you went and you walked alongside with me. And literally, I remember a time where um, I didn't believe in the Eucharist myself in high school, and Jason gave me a bunch of books, and he said, I want you to go into this cabin over there, and you're going to lock yourself in there until you read all of this material. And uh, and it was that that uh, opportunity where you had built trust with me through a friendship over years, and then uh, walking right. alongside and giving me the materials to help me grow and 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 learn more, and then then Jesus, um, my my eyes, it was like scales fell from my eyes, and I fell in love with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist, and He came and washed His Holy Spirit over me through receiving the Eucharist with faith, and uh, right. and just the 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 power and the impact that walking alongside with someone, accompanying them on their uh, into an encounter with Jesus Christ, it not only what what this man and uh, crew did for you than you did for me. And, and, and then I've been able to do for others. And just that, um, spiritual the, multiplication. Exactly. Exactly. You spiritual know. multiplication. You know, Dan, that gives me great joy to, to think back on that, that story that you shared and all that God's done in, in your life. It does, it does bring me great joy. It's, it's interesting because I think if I recall, the talk was supposed to be on the Eucharist that I was scheduled to give. And, and I'm not sure now. I think this was a smart thing to do. But I, I uh, after you read those books, <laughs> no, I said, why, don't you, why don't you give the talk? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now I'm like, what was I thinking? But it all worked out well. I mean, yeah. that was the Holy Spirit. Um, but I think that really, I mean, I think it, it, um, it sort of forced you to have to dig in because you, you were going to be speaking on it um, and look at look at everything that. You know, it's all God's work. It's all it's all God's grace. It's 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 you know, we're just sort of instruments and vessels. But it's uh, it was neat. It's been neat not only then, but to to sort of see what all that God has continued to do in in your life and all the all the all the ways that you're growing and and touching people's lives. It's it's very gratifying. Well, and what's even more amazing, Jason, is I set you up for this like question on oh, you were the CEO for Catholic Charities and you were in the evangelization secretariat for the Diocese of Toledo and our Sunday Visitor Foundation president. What's been the best thing you've seen? And then you went back to being a teacher in the public school and just the the profound understanding that we don't have to be elevated to these the heights of evangelization before we're called to evangelize, right? That that actually it's easier, probably you would you would agree, it's easier to evangelize and transform lives 
when you're you're in these positions uh, of relationship as opposed to these higher positions. And uh, so, listeners, you're just you're called no matter who you are. Jason, um, we're going to take a break. We just want to thank you so much for sharing your testimony on Encounter. Yeah, that was awesome, dude. We're going to take a quick break, and, and uh, listeners, when we come back. Uh, We're just going to pray that God would equip us and build us up to be uh, fearless evangelizers of the gospel. We'll be right back. EWTN News Nightly with Lauren Ashburn. I've been a journalist in Washington for 25 years. I've covered car chases, 9-11, hurricanes. At this point in my career is my time to make a difference. EWTN News Nightly takes our Christian Catholic values and shines a light on what the government is or isn't doing and attempts to spur them to action. EWTN News Nightly with Lauren Ashburn. Weekdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio. EWTN, helping people grow in their love and understanding of God. Hey, listen, I want to tell you also, you guys are phenomenal. The opportunity to say these things on the air is filling the vacuum out there with very, very positive thoughts and ideas. I'm, I'm just thrilled that you guys do what you do. just want to say how wonderful it is to listen to you guys. You've taught me that life needs to be much more intentional. I want to thank you for your ministry. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. Hello and welcome back to Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people and launchment of lives of extraordinary mission. Patrick, that was great. What do you think, man? I love that. Like, um, number one, I love that we have um, that Jason's in. Um, you know, he, he's working in, in business. Okay, he's not like running a ministry. So many of our guests are doing that, and um, I think it's it's just a, a really good reminder that um, the evangelization that he was witnessing to. Uh, along with this amazing story, is something that we're all called to, mm-hmm. and uh, and I absolutely love that. Um, and yeah, I, I just I, I really uh, one thing that, that I felt uh, as I was listening was just this reminder that evangelization, like our sharing of the faith, we can you know oftentimes we're we're hearing these stories, and when I even when I'm hearing stories about what other people are doing, the enemy can like, come in and tempt me and say like, hey, you're not doing enough. Mm. You need to, you need to do more. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, evangelization is good, but if, if it doesn't come from a place of like love and passion, then it can get disordered. And so I just I feel like if there's listeners out there that were hearing about you know all these amazing works that Jason was doing, if you felt like you're less than enough, like I just want to speak against that lie. Mm. And um, you know the the Lord he it, it, when evangelization is really easy when God touches you. So if you want to evangelize effectively, allow the Lord to encounter you and uh, like invite him to come and fill you with his Holy Spirit. And it just comes, it comes actually very naturally. You don't have to, uh, to do too much. You seem to go out there and share what he's actually done with you. Pope Francis said, like, we can only evangelize and share our faith to the degree that we've actually encountered him. And so we, our, our evangelization needs to come from that place of encounter. And what's the name of the show? Oh, encounter! And so, like, amazing. We're, we're inviting you to <laughs> uh, to experience and respond to the every divine encounter that God's given you today. So, that was the word that I really, I, I, I really thought was so powerful from that show. Yeah, you know, uh, Jason referenced the the disciples on the road to Emmaus and this idea of their hearts burning within, and that's that's that I think that relationship that you're talking about that, that when when we encounter Jesus in a life changing way and our hearts are burning within, and then that they discovered Him through the breaking of the bread. So there was this deeper discovery of an intimacy with the Lord in the Eucharist, and then that um, almost uh, 
propelled them to go and share what they had experienced. And so it's that overflow of an encounter with Jesus Christ in a life-changing way that 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 draws us to share it with others. You know, sometimes, um, and this I was a huge culprit of this early on when I started evangelizing. I would it was I would meet with a person because I was trying to. I wanted them to become Catholic or I wanted to like the, awaken faith in them, but I wanted to also kind of prove them wrong. Right. And so I, I almost became like a machine where it was like spitting out intellectual thing, like boom, 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 boom. Yep. And, uh, I found that I wasn't very effective and it wasn't until I started to, to ask people about their real lives and what mm-hmm. was going on. Like people are wounded and hurting and, yeah. uh, and there's there's a person who wants to heal them and, and bring them unspeakable joy and and peace and consolation. And we're introducing evangelization is introducing people to the person of Jesus, not to the doctrine of the church. It, it, you know, it's that I first I discover the person of Jesus, and then in and through that I discover the fullness of the truth. That might sound really offensive to some listeners out there, but when we declare the creed at mass, it's it's not, I believe in the doctrine of fill in the blank. It's, I believe in one God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. We're declaring faith in a person, right? Not in uh, beliefs about this person. We're just declaring the, uh, that. And that's what ultimately leads to. Yes, it's expressed in doctrines. Yeah. But it's ultimately uh, the most relational prayer that I think we have. Yeah. Amen to that. So listeners, we, uh, we're just so thankful that you've, uh, responded to God's call in your life to, to, to get to know him more. And we just, we're, we want to pray that God would unleash uh, a greater love for him and his people in, in your life. I just feel right now, Patrick, that, um, that, uh, there's, yeah, that we're just living in this time of an open heaven and God wants to pour down more love and, mm-hmm. and more joy so that we can share the gospel with a greater joy. At the beginning of the show, you encourage our listeners to to read Pope Francis's uh, in, in apostolic letter, The Joy of the Gospel, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, we're just going to pray for that, that we would have the joy of the gospel in us. So let's begin in the name of Father, Father Son, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, we just uh, place our hands uh out wide to receive everything that you have for us, Lord. We just want to receive all of the joy, the peace, the consolation of the gospel. We want to know you, Lord. We want your love to fall down from heaven. So in the name of Jesus, we just pray for an outpouring of love to fall right now on all of our listeners in our own lives, that we would be filled with a burning love for you in our hearts and in our minds, that we would fall deeper in love with the church, deeper in love with you, Jesus, that we would know our Father and experience the Holy Spirit in more profound ways day to after day. And God, I thank you for the promise that anyone who calls upon your name will be saved. So Lord, we call Mm. upon the name of Jesus, and we just declare that salvation is flowing, that what you've done for us is real. We declare the choices that we've made and your anointing that's falling over us. We break every lying spirit that says we don't have it, that he hasn't saved us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us on Encounter, the show that brings you the life-changing encounters of ordinary people that launch them into lives of extraordinary mission. Encounter is a co-production of EWTN Radio, St. Gabriel Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To learn more about us or our show, go to EncounterRadio.org. That's EncounterRadio.org. Have an awesome day. Boom. Boom.